Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Thank you so much for having me here in Cape Town. I've absolutely loved my stay so far. The last time I was in the city was when I was 18 years old. So just a few years ago, uh, not that far off. But um, it's been awesome to be back. The weather was great yesterday. I got to see the mountain in all her glory. And um, it's been awesome to just get to know so many of you guys uh, through the training of the last couple of days and to be here. And as Gabe said, my heart is counseling, but it's not just uh, counseling. It's seeing people restored the way they were originally designed and created to be. You know, we live in a broken, fallen world. We, um, we are injured because of that. And so often we're walking uh, uh, and we're living out our lives not in the full capacity for how God designed and destined us to be. And my heart is to see people come to a place of healing and wholeness so that they can be Christ's hands and feet here on this earth. So um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, I'm very grateful to have a good friend of mine, Laura, here today. Uh, Laura was one of my first counselors that I trained up uh, over 10 years ago. She was on my core leadership team. We uh, did life together. We wrestled through the development of ministry together. She sharpened me, and now she's taking me out for lunch later, which is going to be awesome. <laughs> but um, so it's good to see family with family. So thank you. But um, and when, I, when we were worshiping in Table View, God reminded me of a scripture, and I kind of wanted to start off reading the first verse of Psalm 139 to you. And it says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and know everything about me. So let me just read that again. Let that soak in. Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. Is there anybody here who has told another human being everything about themselves? Anybody? Okay, not just me. Right, that's great. <laughs> so we're all in the same boat. And in a sense, there, this morning I want to speak around matters of the heart. I want to speak into what is going on in our hearts because our hearts are very fragile things and our hearts are, the, in a sense, the steering ship to what kind of guides us in our lives. Uh, and before I do that, I want to just uh, tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a mom of two little boys. I have a two-year-old and a three-year-old, uh, Joshua and Levi. So uh, that means I don't get much sleep. <laughs> if you're a parent and you've got toddlers, you know that that equals very little sleep. So please invite me back because I get to sleep. <laughs> it's been awesome. Uh, my husband would say, don't invite her. <laughs> He's had no sleep. No. But um, a few weeks ago, I took Joshua, my three-year-old, to go ride his bike down to the beachfront. And uh, he had a little wipeout, but you know, he's pretty tough, and he jumped up, and off he, off he went again. And in the car on the way home, he was having a good look at his little, little graze on his knees. I mean, it, it really was small. And there was just a little kind of splotch of blood there. And he says to me, Mom, there's a bit of blood here on my knee still, and if we don't get a plaster on here soon, this leg may fall off. <laughs> So I was like, okay, my boy, this, this, is, this is pretty serious. You know, we need to, we need to tend to this injury. Um, and and it's, it's amazing when I was thinking about it, children as young as three already know the importance of looking after our injuries. 
You know, we need to put a plaster on or you need to put cream or batraban on or, you know, if you're sick, you need medicine. And, um, and they also know the importance of, of bathing and brushing teeth, even though they fight you over it. But in a sense, we kind of teach our children the importance of looking after these things. But I was thinking about it. What do we do when it comes to the injuries of our hearts? What do we teach our children when it comes to the injuries of our hearts? Now, my husband's a real DIY guy, so my, my children love to fix things. They're always drilling, sawing, hammering, something. And so my, my boys understand the language of fix it. And, you know, I've tried to, because I'm a counselor, I've tried to instill in them the importance that if you break the connect in the heart, that you do something to fix that connect in the heart. You know, if they speak ugly to mom or, or are naughty, and I say, oh, my heart is sore, my boy. And it's like, sorry, my heart, he says to me. Sorry, my heart. There's that already that educating around the importance of fixing injuries when it comes to hearts. But what were you taught growing up? Get over it? I'll just suck it up. Big boys, don't cry. I'll just move on, you know. Toughen up. And we live in a world where our hearts have sustained injuries. But what have we done to heal those injuries of our hearts? What injuries have your hearts sustained in life? Have you been crushed, abused, rejected, betrayed? Was it your first love that promised you the world and a few weeks later dropped you for someone else? Maybe it was your parents' divorce. Maybe it was a betrayal of a friend, rejection of your children, or community, conflict at work. The spectrum is wide, but so often the root is the same. The pain is the same. We all were created and we all desire to be in these loving, intimate relationships, yet so often it's those intimate relationships that hurt us the most, isn't it? So a little bit about my story. My parents got divorced before I was one. And for anyone growing up with an, with an absent father, that in itself is a deep heart injury. I could see others talking about their dads on Father's Day and all of that, and I never had that close relationship with a dad. To make matters worse, I never really had a good relationship with my mom either. And in my early teenage years, there was a season where we were, we were fighting quite a lot And I thought to myself, surely this can't be my real mom. And so I was adamant to find my adoption papers. So the one day I went rummaging through her important documents, and I never found my adoption papers, but I found my birth certificate and her marriage certificate. And I saw they were six months apart. And it suddenly dawned on me that I was a mistake. And I suddenly realized why I never felt like I belonged. I was always a hindrance. I was always in the way. And to make matters worse, no one showed me what to do with this pain in my heart. And so it grew. It translated into feelings of betrayal and beliefs of not belonging anywhere. And the insecurities And the fears of further rejection and further not belonging grew inside of me to the point where I was so insecure as a teenager that I started to stutter. 
and I was forced to go to elocution lessons, which felt more like execution lessons. <laughs> I hated saying my name. I got stuck on it every time. And again, the injuries of my heart just got bigger and deeper. Did anyone see the, the injury of that French gymnast when he did that pole vault, uh, that pole vault and his leg broke? <laughs> Pretty painful, wasn't it? And in a sense, I thought to myself, I wonder what he would feel the first time he has to do that run again and that jump, especially after experiencing a break like that, the anxiety potentially in his heart. And you see, in a sense, our heart is no different to a physical injury because when we have experienced a physical pain, it results in a cautiousness. It results in a need to protect oneself from potential pain again. Our hearts do exactly the same. Injured hearts seek ways to protect themselves from further pain. Injured hearts seek ways to protect themselves from further pain. So this is what we do. We withdraw or we lash out. We hide. We become bitter. We become numb. We deny. We pretend. The list goes on. Psychology calls these defense mechanisms, self-protective strategies. The things we do to prevent ourselves from feeling more pain. So let me ask you, what have you done with the injuries of your heart? There was a movie that came out last year called Matters of the Heart, starring Patrick Wilson. And uh, in the midst of this romantic comedy about life and second chances and love and that, he says this line, which I thought was quite powerful. He says, it's funny when we're kids, we're all taught not to be afraid. Yet it's the one thing we all pretend not to be and probably the one thing that we all are. Being afraid, the one thing we pretend we're not, and yet the one thing we all are. And as a counselor, I've heard the stories of injured hearts. And you know how many times I hear people say to me, is there something wrong with me? Am I the only one that feels like this? And the reason being is because this is what we as human do. We, we know our fears, we know our insecurities, we know our failures, we know our stuff on the inside, and we measure our internal world with the perfect profile pics of everybody else's external worlds. They've got it all together. And we think everybody else is fine. No one else has insecurities or fears or stuff. We are the only ones. And so we walk around alone, hiding, fearful to show and reveal the injuries of our hearts. Because no one wants to be the odd one out. My husband recently went in for a knee op. And um, with toddlers and injuries, you've got to be pretty careful because they don't fully understand sometimes the pain of these kind of injuries. So, you know, he kind of spent the first few days kind of keeping them at arm's, you know, bay. And every now and then saying, oh, you know, slow down, boys, because all they want to do is run and jump on you. And so he kind of kept them at arm's bay, not because he didn't love them or not because he doesn't want to love them or show affection or wrestle, but because right now, in that stage of healing, he wants to protect himself from potential further pain. And this is what our hearts do. Yeah. 
But the biggest problem with our hearts is that we can't see the bandages on a broken heart. We can't see the plaster cast like we can on a broken leg. We feel the lash of a heart when it lashes out at us. How many of you have been in a conversation with someone, even if it's your spouse or something, and as you're talking, they suddenly just turn on you and they just get angry with you? Anybody? Just me and my marriage? (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Good thing I'm a counselor. (laughs) Do we have any denial in this room? (laughs) I want to see what denial looks like. Okay. Um, But in a sense, that's what happens, is that we trip over these invisible injuries of each other's hearts. We respond to each other from the pain of our injured hearts. We react to each other from the hurts of our injured hearts. And we don't understand it because we don't know anything about it. And so injured hearts are walking around injuring hearts. And injured hearts are marrying injured hearts and causing further injuries. It's not that we want to. It's not the desire of our hearts. No two people get married and go, in two years' time, I'm going to choose to injure you with my words. That's not the vows we make, is it, on our wedding days? But yet it's what we do. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of of your life. In other words, we, it's so important to keep watch over what is going on in our hearts and to our hearts. Because the heart is the gateway through which we go forth in life. The heart is the, is the gateway through how we choose to live our lives, through how we choose to see ourselves, others, God, how we choose to relate. It determines the course of our life. It makes choices. It interprets life. Our heart even thinks. A little sideline, listen to this, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Do you know an interesting fact about your heart? There is a brain in your heart. You have 40,000 neurons in your heart. Your heart actually has a little brain in it. As a man thinks in his heart. Doesn't say as a man thinks in his brain. (laughs) Isn't it great that God knows these things about medical science and then science catches up with God? (laughs) I love it. But it's also important to note that the only person that can guard your heart is you. You are the one in control of your heart with what you do to it. So let me ask you the question again. How is your heart? How is it determining the course of your life so far? What injuries have you had that has shaped your heart? And I know there are injuries in the hearts in this room. I know that because we have all been created by a God who is love to be in a relationship where we are loved by him and others. But we also have all been born into a fallen world. And the degree to which we are fallen and broken is the degree to which we experience fallen and broken love, which injures hearts. So what is the reality of your injury? 
Because I know hurt people hurt people, and injured hearts injure hearts. So how has your heart handled the betrayal in your life, or the rejection? How have you handled disappointment or unmet expectations? How have you handled your own failures and sin? Has it resulted in you carrying fears, insecurities, hurts, anger, unforgiveness? Have you made vows? I will never love again. I will never trust again. I will never let that person in again. I will never be vulnerable again. I will never open up again because it's too painful. I remember as a teenager, I shut my heart down. It was too sore. I became hard-hearted. I pushed people away. I kept people at arm's length. I even got to the point where I didn't know how to cry anymore. It took years of counseling for me to learn how to just cry. And the problem with these self-protective strategies, the problem when we try and fix our own hearts, is yes, we in a sense keep ourselves safe from further pain, but we also block out the good. We block out the goodness that God wants for us. I remember as a little girl, the biggest desire of my heart was to know what it's like to be able to get onto a dad's lap and to put my head on his chest and to feel his arms of love around me. I'd never experienced that as a child. Did I ever dare tell anyone about that desire? No ways. It was my little desire that I had that I told no one, but I shut it away. And I kept silent about it. And I continued to live this life with a hardened heart. And Jesus knows about hard hearts. He speaks about it in Matthew 13 with the parable of the soil and the seeds. And he speaks about the different types of soil. And the soil depicts the condition of the human heart. Listen to verse 19, Matthew 13, verse 19. It says this, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. <clears throat> when the soil of the heart is not healthy, nothing takes root, nothing grows. Verse 15 talks about the fact that it actually stops producing anything. It stops functioning. For the heart of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so that their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. <clears throat> In the King James Version, this word hardened is waxed gross. Isn't that a descriptive word? <laughs> the Greek meaning is to thicken and fatten, to grow fat, to become calloused. A very vivid picture of a heart encased in this thick layer of fat, slowing it down from functioning to its full capacity. Because a hardened heart stops seeing and stops feeling and becomes cold and uncaring and distant and inattentive and numb and withdraws. A hardened heart is lonely. Loneliness has nothing to do with being alone. It's got nothing to do with being by yourself. Loneliness happens even in the context of community. 
where no one understands what's going on inside my heart, where no one sees me or hears the cries of my heart, that produces loneliness. A hardened heart lives a busy life, a distracted life, a numb life, a substanced, encased life, a shallow life. So how is the condition of your heart? This morning I want to speak about steps to healing injured hearts. But in order for us to do these steps, there's one thing we have to be. And that is we have to have courage to be vulnerable. Brené Brown did a, a, a talk um, through TED. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, her vulnerability, talk, her vulnerability talk on TED. And if you haven't, I highly recommend you go Google it and, and listen to it. But in the midst of her talk, she says this, courage is a heart word. The root of the word courage is core. It's actually a Latin word for heart. In its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. If you are a person that had courage, it meant you had the ability to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart, by being vulnerable, by being open. So the steps to healing injured hearts is rooted in the ability to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. The three steps that I want to speak about today, in a sense, have no beginning or end to them. They kind of all kind of overlap, and they are to reach out, open up, and trust in. The very opposite of what we generally want to do, isn't it? We normally want to hide, pull away, shut down, withdraw. But in order for us to tell our mind by telling all our heart, we need to reach out, open up, trust in. I know there's times where my husband and I, we might be in conflict, and our knee-jerk reaction is to either lash out or pull away. The hardest thing to do in the midst of conflict is to be vulnerable. Because we fear being hurt more. The only way that we're ever going to come to a place of healing when it comes to the injuries of our hearts is to be brave. To have courage. To be vulnerable. Now, I'm not asking you to do that with, with, with others just yet. Because I know we live in a fallen, broken world. I know that healing can come through people, but I also know that injuries come through people. And please hear me when I say this. I'm not asking you to be vulnerable with others just yet. But there is one that I am asking you to be vulnerable with. And that is our Father. A mentor once said to me that loving others the way we were recreated to love them will cost us our lives. Because the greater our capacity to love means the greater our capacity to feel pain. The reality is we live in a fallen world. If we are going to love people the way God has designed us and created us to love, it's going to hurt. In a sense, we should all be walking around with warning signs. Fallen human, enter relationally at your own risk. 
But if we are going to be Christ's hands and feet, if we're going to love others the way God wants us to love them, then we need to be tapping into him first. He needs to be our resource. If I put a cup of water under a fountain, that cup's going to fill up and overflow. Do I have any need then? I have an abundance to give. But if I'm not putting myself under the fountain of living water and I'm just existing with the mere you know, fragment of water in my own cup, well, I'm not going to want to share it with anyone, am I? I'm going to guard it. I'm going to hide it. And if we are going to be Christ's hands and feet, then we need to start that journey by being honest and real with our Father. Because that is the only way. John 1, 4, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So if these three steps of reaching out, opening up, and trusting in has to start in the process of speaking one's mind by telling all one's heart. Tell him. He knows it anyway. Proverbs 13, I mean, Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. But he wants us to enter into that relationship with him, where we communicate with him, when we are intimate with him, we are vulnerable with him about the stuff of our hearts. If you remember earlier, I spoke about the desires of my heart as a young girl. When I moved over to England when I was 23, I call my seven years of living in England my getting to know God as a dad years. Because it was in those years where I didn't have friends or family around that the pains of my heart resurfaced again. And he was the only one I had to lean on. And I poured out my heart to him about the hurts and the desires of my heart. And one day in church, the preacher was preaching from a text, which was Deuteronomy 33, verse 12. And when I read the words of his word, it struck the depth of my heart. Listen to what it says. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. God told me in that moment, I didn't even know what the preacher preached about for the rest of the night. I just sat on that verse and I was like, wow. God, my position and my place of safety and healing is on your lap with my head on your chest and your arms of love around me. That is where I belong. God spoke to the desires of my heart and he brought healing through his word. God's word can heal injured hearts. When we pray for people, injured hearts are healing. I remember when I was in England, this girl came forward for prayer once, and as I was praying for her, God gave me a very clear picture of an apple. And so I said to her, I don't know if this means anything, but I just see a big apple, <laughs> as you do. And she broke down crying. She was from California. She said, my father is an apple farmer. And I've never felt love from him. And I've always asked God... I want to know what it means to be the apple of a father's eye. I know that injuries happen through people, but healing does also when the body of Christ is functioning the way it is meant to function. 
Injured hearts find healing in the word. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires of the heart. If you've got injuries in your heart and you need healing, get into God's word. Get into community. Trust in him. I'm telling you now, he is faithful and he will restore what has been taken. Psalm 31, 24 says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. What is courage again? It's telling all one's mind by sharing one's heart. When we have courage, he will strengthen our hearts, all that hope in the Lord. But you want to hear how really good our father is? He didn't stop there with me. He knows that I'm a very visual person. A few years later, after he gave me that scripture in Deuteronomy 33 verse 12, I was sharing my testimony about the scripture at a youth conference in England. And this lady came running up to me afterwards and she said, I have a gift from you from God. And I said, what is it? She said, I'm an artist, and God gave me a vision of a picture I needed to draw because he said, I need to give this picture to this girl because she needs a picture of herself with her dad. This is the picture. I look pretty good, don't I? That's me and my dad. I wept when I saw that picture. Because it was the father saying to me, I've got you, my girl. This is your safe place. This is the God we serve. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows the yearning of your heart. He knows the injuries of your hearts. And he just wants you to step out in faith, be vulnerable, be brave, and tell him the story of your heart. And I promise you, He won't let you down. I'm going to call the worship band up. We're going to listen to a song that speaks about this good, good father. And I want to urge you to be real. To say, God, this is what's going on inside of my heart. I want to be used by you. I want to live a life of abundance and freedom for you. But in order for me to do that, I need a bit of healing. Can we do that? Can we be brave? This is a safe place. He's a good dad. He's got you. Not just you girls, but you guys too. Jesus wept. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, I'm hurting. I fear that I've failed. It's okay. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then the band's going to lead us in a song of worship. And don't just sing too quickly. I wanted you to sit under the truth of these words. That we serve a God who is a good, good Father, and I know that there are people here who haven't experienced good fathers and they struggle to trust in God as a father.
I hope that my testimony has shown to you that you can. He is good. Let's pray. Father, I lift up every heart in this room. You know the hairs on their heads. You know the injuries. You know the desires. You know the hurts, the disappointments, the struggles. And Father, I pray today that through the power of your Spirit, you will help us be brave. You will help us be transparent before you and that you will come in an amazing way and bring healing to the hearts of your children in this place. Father, have your way with each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.